This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. We've waited three years for this. Episode 299, Submission 010 Beta, Manimal Revisited. Manimal aired on NBC from September 30th to December 17th, 1983, for eight glorious episodes. And you know what, guys? I'm feeling in the celebratory mood. You know what? Let's do the opening to Manimal Live, shall we? Oh, we're doing it live, baby! Yeah! Yeah, let's do it! Dr. Jonathan Chase, wealthy, young, handsome, a man with the brightest of futures, a man with the darkest of pasts. From Africa's deepest recesses to the rarefied peaks of Tibet, heir to his father's legacy and the world's darkest mysteries. My son, you must have faith and learn. This is not the end. This is the beginning. Jonathan Chase, master of the secrets that divide man from animal. Animal from man. Manimal. Oh, we've been waiting three years to do this again. And now we're back. And this time we got Chico with us. This yep. time this yeah. time I'm this time I'm here. Yeah. That's right. Because last last time you guys did this, I was away from my desk and now uh you guys are doing this with me. So yay. And we're taping this on a Saturday. And we recorded the original episode on a Saturday. So And we okay, a little bit of behind the veil. You guys originally did this on Skype as well. Yeah, that's right. That's why we came back to Skype, baby, just to do two ninety nine and three hundred. Although we have done Skype like a couple of times since like Obviously. episode seventy, but it's Obviously. for external reasons. But we figured, okay, we'll come back to Skype for this special taping. So in case you missed it the first time out, or you didn't listen to that opening, Jonathan Chase is heir to the secrets 
of transformation from man to animal. He uses this power as a uh, detective? Yeah, he's a detective. And, of course, Mike in the first episode had a problem with this because he was like, well, why didn't Jonathan Chase transform into a cute animal? Yeah. Well, my contention is, okay, if you're going to be solving crimes, you want to be a ferocious animal to scare the criminals. For example, it's like Batman. He's not called, like, I don't know, like, Furry Man. Although, if you had a superhero named Furry Man, that would be pretty scary. Yes. May I give you a, a retort? Yeah. Okay. So what if, to get into the compound or the lair, he turns into a kitty cat, just happens to wander in, and then once he gets near the enemies, you know, he's like, you know, he starts doing the Benoodles thing, and then all of a sudden, bam, panther, scrape his face off, victory. What about that? Well, he has to turn into the animal. He can't, like, transform from an animal to another animal. He'd have to turn back into a man. Who says? I'm just going by the logic of this show. Okay, so why doesn't the kitty cat go to the bathroom, turn into a man, then while in the, the stall, he turns into a panther, then goes after the bad guys? Chica. There's logic here. Think about it. I'm I'm trying to, and I'm trying to wrap my head around the logic here, and I no. really can't. Well, okay, I mean, it's you, like you, 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 he's not exactly Beast Boy, though, is he? Okay, but but if you need, if you cannot go from animal to animal, then make the transition: animal to human to other animal. Go from cute little kitty to hey, I'm in the uh, like Superman. Yeah, transforms from you know Clark Kent to Superman. Transform from the kitty cat. To uh to, to the human in the the the, the portageon or whatever or the, the the bathroom stall, then you know th then like five seconds later, unless there's some sort of like statute of limitations on how long it can take him to transform to another animal, then you transform into the panther, and then you run out of the bathroom, and they'll be like, "What the hell was there a panther doing in the bathroom?" You're disagreeing with me, but I like my logic. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how he's going to make that happen. I mean, uh, I don't think that it's ever been sussed out in the series or in this show. If there's any sort of canceling, any sort of fail-saving throw, any sort of kryptonite to his ability to change from man to any animal he chooses. That was going to be on episode nine. Sorry. Hold on. Johnny, do you have anything to say? Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, Greg. Like, what the f*** are you talking about? <laughs> that wouldn't make any goddamn sense. Dr. Jonathan Chase has to turn into, like, a panther or a lion. I don't get it. Why would he want to turn into a kitty cat? I... I to don't quietly know sneak, Tony, to quietly sneak into the into the the baddies. Your logic makes no fucking sense. Okay, Johnny. First off, watch the language. I got to do editing on this, and I'm going to be really busy tomorrow. Second, you go in quietly. Panthers aren't going to be quiet. 
leopards and jaguars are not going to be quiet. Tigers and lions are not going to be quiet. You go in like a little kitty cat, nice and quietly, and then, like I said, okay, behind, in in some sort of side office nobody's in, or behind like uh, some pallets of whatever in the, the warehouse, then you change back to a person, and then you change into whatever animal. That makes perfectly good sense. No, unless there's like a limit. No, unless Johnny, don't. No, you're dead. Be quiet. So unless there is some sort of rule that says you can't change forms, but every ten minutes, what's stopping you? But nothing has been established about that. We don't know if there was some sort of uh, price to pay for. Like, for all we know, every time you change this to an animal... I can't animal, believe I'm diverting the logic of a 40-year-old show nobody watched! Go back and play with your robot. But again, that was probably going to be on the unproduced episode 9. If it didn't get into the hiatus and stuff that we're going to talk about, if it lasted until 1984, we would have definitely probably heard all the rules as to the limitations of, of the, the transformations. Yeah, it's like, for all we know, every time he transforms, he loses a little bit of his humanity. And if he transforms one time too many, he's stuck that way. Well, why would he lose his humanity? Because he gained the powers or whatever from his father. It, it isn't like, you know, he needs to, 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 to drink a special liquid or something to, to, to keep his power. Okay, Greg, you have something to say. Uh, okay, can I just say... How still ridiculous it was that his father just disappeared like Yoda in Return of the Jedi. You noticed that, right? No, he didn't disappear. He turned into an eagle and flew away. Is that what it was? Okay, I thought maybe during some sort of storm, he just, like, disintegrated. Yeah, that was him. That was him. So why does he not turn back into himself? He's just permanently an animal? Did he transfer his power to Jonathan Chase? I imagine he transferred his ability to Jonathan Chase, so he is stuck like that. Well, also, I don't know how any of this works because the series didn't run long enough to address it. Okay, wait, wait. We, we saw the open, and it looked like there was some sort of, I don't know what it was. Maybe we're going back to Turnabout. Oh, there's another show that's worse than Manimal Greg Turnabout. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even uh, though it had John Shuck. Yes, and, uh, I, and just to bring our listeners up to speed, before we started recording, Greg asked me, do I still think Manimals as bad as I said it was three years ago? And I said no, because I probably could have named 20 to, to two dozen shows that we've covered that are worse. So, and I didn't mention uh, Turnabout. I, I want to definitely add that to the list. But again, going back to the open, wasn't there some sort of uh, – it wasn't really a statue or an idol – but there was something behind Jonathan Chase, like some sort of, I don't know if it was like a Mayan monster or, or there was something behind him that I'm going to assume took Jonathan Chase's father's life or transferred uh, transformed him into the eagle and then somehow put that into Jonathan Chase's body somehow, some way. There was something there. I saw something. I'm not crazy. I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on a second. That, wait, you mean something behind Jonathan Chase? Yeah. The young Jonathan Chase? Okay, yeah. hold on. Let me rewind back There was here. like a shaman right behind him or something. 
Yeah, hold on a second. I I got it right here. Just hang on a second. It was sort of like Shaman King, only not as animated. Yeah, right here. This guy. Yeah. Yep, there was a shaman. So I'm guessing he took the soul of Jonathan's dad when he got transformed into the eagle or whatnot, and how that gave Jonathan Chase the ability to do what he's doing, who knows? Again, there's a lot of gaps and 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 loopholes here that need filling that unfortunately in eight episodes they weren't filled. You know, if this is still on TV now, celebrating the what 39th anniversary this year or the 40th season upcoming, we'd know all this stuff. You know, if this is as successful as 60 Minutes or The Simpsons, we'd be talking about this and be like, ah ha ha ha. Oh, Jonathan Chase uh his son, Jonathan Jr., now has the powers that Dad had because Simon McCorkendale died a number of years ago. But, you know, we, we don't have that where we can talk, oh, episode 800 is where uh, Jonathan Chase Jr. turned into a cute little bunny and then turned uh, once he got into the evildoers uh, uh, the, the hangout, then he turned into the evil bunny from, from uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That would be funny, though. What if it actually maybe there's an issue if he's like changing between species or or, or not necessarily even species, but uh, two different types of, uh, of animal, even if they're the same. What if he goes from a bunny to an evil bunny? He's technically the same creature, just one has a, a thirst for blood and attacking people back in the, 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 the 1970s Mighty Python movie. Are you trying to describe Banicula? No. You, have you ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Oh, the, yes. The Killer yeah. Rabbit? The Killer Rabbit, like, uh, I think it's like 10, 15 minutes near the end of the movie, and he just start, uh, the, the bunny just starts attacking everybody. That, that's what I'm talking about. What if you had Mild Bunny entering the, the, the baddies' compound, then, okay, once he's within striking distance, he turns into evil vampire bunny who will suck the lifeblood out of you. Same creature, or same type of creature, same species of creature, you don't need to go from kitty cat to human to panther or whatever. You go from bunny to... This is going to sound bad because it's uh, obviously a, a, uh, a musician's name, but you go from bunny to bad bunny. <laughs> evil bunny. Well, you know, I think, Chico, isn't Bad Bunny going to be in a Spider-Man spinoff movie soon? I think so. I think Bad Bunny's actually going to be in Spider-Man Across the Spideyverse Part 1. I'm going to have to check on that. But yeah, he's going to be in a wrestling movie, because it makes sense, because Bad Bunny was doing some stuff with WWE last year, so. so it's Oh, oh it's a Spider-Man spinoff based upon El Muerto. That makes sense. But still, don't lose the point. Going from bunny to evil bunny should be a natural transition. Unless he's already an evil bunny to begin with, and he just has to temper his anger and his lust for blood until he gets near the uh, the baddies. You know, we've talked for 20 minutes about the logic of Dr. Jonathan Chase transforming into an animal. Let's just go ahead and talk about the plot of the show. And let's just talk about the 
characters and the actors in the episodes. Jacob, let's just do that, please. I don't want to spend another minute talking about Mike's twisted logic about the transformations. Okay, so the premise of the show is sussed out in the Robert Conrad opening. Dr. Jonathan Chase, wealthy, young, handsome, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. He uses his abilities to change from man to animal to assist the police as a detective. Most notably, the two sort of liaisons that know his secret, Brooke McKenzie, played by Melody Anderson, and Ty C. Earl, played by Glenn Turman in the pilot, and Michael D. Roberts in the actual series. And that's most, it. That's the show. Oh, that's no, the show. That, that that really it. I mean, that really is the show. I mean, uh, the rest of the uh, run follows a. There's no really overreaching arc. It is basically a crime of the week procedural. Except that the uh, main character can turn into an animal. Except that the main character can turn into an animal. Oh wait, we did forget one cast member. Uh, playing Lieutenant who, Rivera. Ah, uh, Nick, Nick, Dr. Nick Rivera, Lieutenant Nick Rivera, played by Rennie Santoni, who is known for playing Tony Gonzalez in Cobra and Chico Gonzalez in Dirty Harry. Sadly, no longer with us. Yeah, no longer with us, unfortunately. But he was a perennial that guy from that thing in a lot of movies. But he played Poppy in four episodes of Seinfeld. Mm hmm. You sure did. Yes. And I swear, if this if this show gets a shop, one of the T-shirts is going to read, I'm that guy, in parentheses, from that thing. Yeah, that's going to be one of the T-shirts, along with uh, Big Honk and Asterix. <laughs> Love it. And uh, wait, wait, remember back in the Mystery Diners episode when Mike said if he started a restaurant, it'd be called Mike's Takeaway, and I suggested someone should make a shirt about that? That'll be in the t-shirt store, too. Mike's Takeaway. <laughs> That's a deep cut. I, I totally missed that one. So deep, Mike doesn't even remember it. Let's talk more about the main people in this cast. We've already talked about who they are, but necessarily you know we, we haven't talked about what they've done uh either before or since manimal so simon mccorkendale I, I mentioned earlier not with us anymore sadly passed away in 2010 and what is he best known for besides mm, this obviously uh, yeah well, he was on falcon crest yes he was and we did talk about him again last year in Counter Strike with Christopher Plummer. He played yeah what? in Counter Strike. Was he the son of Christopher Plummer? In no, it? he was like a spe wasn't he like an agent, special agent guy? Ah, that's yeah. Right. I, that's I right. think that's what he was. Yeah. And uh, we talked about uh, Melody Anderson, still yes. with us. Yes. And she's been on a variety of shows uh, since Manimal, or even before Manimal. Well, she was in the Flash Gordon movie. Flash Gordon movie, St. Elsewhere. Uh, it looks like she was on uh, before Manimal came a calling. Yep. Maybe not the best career decision there, just saying. Um, well, afterwards, uh, afterwards, she ended up uh, playing Neely Capshaw on six episodes of Jake and the Fat Man. Oh, Jake and the Fat Man. 
That's a great show. And now, back to Jake and the Fat Man. Hey, look over here on the carpet. That's a cigarette butt. This is probably evidence. Oh. What do you think was in that Danish? You think it was cheese? Because I, uh, I got a little problem with cheese. Hey, I'm talking about evidence here. There's lipstick on it. Yeah, well, can you bring it over to me? I can't move it. This is a crime scene. Well, uh, well can you describe it to me? You know what? Forget it. I'll take care of this, okay? Oh, no, 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 no. Just, uh, just, uh, just, just let me close my eyes for a minute. Look, I know his wife is a smoker. Just yesterday, when we saw her at the country club, she had a cigarette in her hand. And coincidentally, it also had William Conrad. Yes, it did. Oh, wait. Hold on. I forgot. You know who was also in Jake and the Fat Man? Joe Penny. Yes. Who, of course, was in Riptide. Riptide, which, was, which uh, starred... Uh... Tom Bray. Tom Bray. We only care about Tom Bray around here. I'm sorry. Oh, no. We also have to care about that sweet robot. And the robot, yes. But don't forget the robot. <laughs> and you already mentioned uh, what Randy Santoni is famous for Michael D. Roberts. He was sort of the. Um... I want to say he was the third wheel because uh, we all knew that Brooke and Jonathan, you know, low key a thing. Ty's just like, yeah, yeah. I know you want to bang. Michael D. Roberts has been in a lot of things since Manimal. Uh, his late, his latest credit. As Captain Lehman in an episode of Heathers, which we'll get to eventually. Well, look below that. The first family, wasn't that a Byron Allen TV show about uh, the president or uh, an African-American family uh, ascending to the White House? Yes. Yep. Yeah. But also, uh, Michael D. Roberts uh, was on Beretta playing Rooster. Uh, for uh, 33 episodes, not bad. Uh, Gre- I think Greg has to go to the bathroom or he wants No, to no, the- I have something to say. Yeah. He was also on an episode of Seinfeld. He was in the episode The Chicken Roaster, which was the episode where freaking the neon sign of Kenny Rogers Roasters was lighting up Kramer's apartment. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. that. And then he was protesting the joint, and then he started going to Kenny Rogers Roasters, and he got addicted to the chicken. Oh, boy. I remember when Kenny Rogers Roasters was a thing. Is it still a thing? I haven't seen one in No, it is not a thing. Okay, I figured. Oh, and also, since we're going to cover the show eventually, he played Mr. Arecchia on... Double Trouble. Oh, Double With trouble. Katie Seagal's twin sisters. Yes. That has Which to be an eventual cover. Hold on a second, guys. He was also on an episode of BJ and the Bear. Nice. He's really he, done everything. He, yeah. really, he, he really, yeah, Michael D. Roberts, he really is that guy. 
from that thing. And he was on an episode of Sanford. Yes. But, so yeah, he, he really has done everything. He was in Rain Man, the movie? Wow. Oh, Rain Man. Five minutes to Northern Exposure. Gotta see Moose. Gotta see Moose. Well, you want to see Moose, go watch You Can't Do That on Television. Uh, but yeah, Michael D. Roberts, he's been everywhere. Hold on! He was at the 2018 A Star is Born! How did we miss that? Well, it was 2019 when we first talked about Manimal, so. I know, but when we were doing his IMDb, how did we miss A Star is Born? Because the world was still drunk off of the chemistry between Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, obviously. Oh, yeah, that is true. Because what does Greg's dad say? You give him Lady Gaga and there'll be Gaga for more or something like that. No, 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 Mike. The okay, quote, get it right. Okay, get, the quote is, yes, and we're yes. going to play, I have the clip of him saying it. Give him Lady Gaga and boy, there'll be Gaga forever. Give him Lady Gaga and there'll be Gaga forever. There you go. Oh, by the way, hold on a second. While we're talking about my dad. This is CNN Breaking News. Okay. I was at the Mets-Phillies game last night, which is why we didn't record on Friday. But I found a news article today, and this was being talked about on WIP in Philadelphia, that is so stupid that I had to talk about it since we brought up my dad. Now, as I mentioned, my dad has some stupid ideas about sports. Well, guess what? Daryl Morey the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers basketball team was at the Mets Phillies game. And he had the stupidest idea for baseball. The stupidest idea. He said that if a team takes the lead, the trailing team should keep batting in every inning until they catch up. So technically the, team that's in the lead could score like two runs in the first inning not bat for the rest of the game to give the other team an opportunity to catch up and let's just say the other team doesn't score for like nine innings the winning team will technically could win with two runs in only their first time at bat how does that make any sense it does not and that now is a you know dumb idea and now you know why the Philadelphia 76ers are stuck with James Orton. Yeah, but they did get rid of Ben Simmons. Yeah, but they also got rid of two first-round draft picks. That might come back to bite them in the ass. Yeah, you're right about that. See, well, that Celtics do? trade back in, like, 2012 of Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Oh, yeah, with the first-round pick that turned into be uh, Jason Tatum? Yeah. Yeah, well, we could even go further. And Of course, there's a Cleveland twist to it. When the Cavs traded away, uh, I think it was Jamari, or it was uh, uh, Mo Williams for Jamario Moon in a first-round pick. The first-round pick turned out to be Kyrie Irving. It turned out to be the lottery pick, number one pick in 2011. Thanks, Nick Gilbert. Okay, where were we? We were wrapping up Michael D. Roberts and, yeah. by, oh. and by extension, wrapping up the cast. Okay, yeah. Michael D. Roberts, very, 
good resume on him. So, okay, we've talked about the cast members. Now let's go into the episodes. Yep, all eight of them. Episode one, Manimal. Wow! No, that's not how you do it, Chico. You do it like this. Wow! Manimal. Oh, thank you, Greg. Jonathan Chase is a British college professor at New York University who has the unusual ability to transform into any kind of animal he wants. He decides to use this power to assist the New York Police Department in solving unusual crimes, and in the series pilot, he teams up with cute cop Brooke and war buddy Ty to stop some terrorists from stealing a supply of toxic gas. Oh, toxic gas. I can't stand toxic gas. Who would have a supply of toxic gas on hand and not need it? I don't know. I don't well, know. now, hold on. What, what, what are we calling toxic gas? Well, the reason I'm asking is just because, you know, what, what is oh, considered oh, okay. toxic? Uh, is according, it, okay, okay, Mike. According yeah? to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, it is nerve gas. Okay, yeah, I, I was thinking it'd be some different type of gas, like maybe methane, or I, I don't think it's necessarily lethal, but yeah, you don't just don't have a, a, a storage of of nerve gas sitting around the, the house or something like that. No. Not unless you mix ammonia with bleach, by the way. Please do not do, do that. Do, do that. not do that. Do not listening. do that. No, we're not responsible. Do not do that. And of course, among the big names on this show would be Lloyd Bachner, who you'd remember from Dynasty, Terry Kaiser, who you'd remember as Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's and Weekend at Bernie's 2. Oh, yes, Bernie! Yeah, we talked about Terry Kaiser often enough on this uh, podcast. He might be a future show Hall of Famer, Terry Kaiser! Potentially, yeah. Potentially. Well, wait, there's, oh, I should mention the best part in the pilot. Okay. So he gets frightened by Jonathan Chase as a snake. But the best part is, like, Melody Anderson's character just assumes that, oh, it's, because I guess she's afraid of snakes. She just says, oh, this is Dr. Chase as a snake. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it turns out, huh? Dr. Jonathan Chase is in the room. Well, Dr. Jonathan Chase is in the room. What's this? Oh, and she faints. It's in the credits, people. <laughs> it's in the credits. It's in the credits. And also on this episode, uh, as a cab driver, is Bert Rosario, who we've talked about on AKA Pablo and may talk about one day as part of the cast of Sword of Justice. Hold on. The biggest name in this episode, Chico. Big. Playing Karen Jade. Ursula Andrus. Mm-hmm. Honey mm-hmm. Rider, baby. Honey Rider. Honey Rider, yes. That's all we need to say. Bond girl. Yeah, Dr. No. Yep. But also, uh, we, we should add... And we talked about uh, Michael uh, Roberts on the uh, regular series replacing uh, the character from the pilot. Uh-huh. Glenn Turman. Oh, yeah. He plays Ty in the pilot. Of course, Glenn Turman, uh, 
early of Cooley High, but later he would be one of the ensemble cast members of A Different World. Well, A Different World, also House of Lies, and also The Wire. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, so by no means is he uh, a, a no-name necessarily. Right, right, right. And I'll tell you right now, according to IMDb, uh, Jonathan Chase's uh, animal shape shifts in this episode would be a black panther, a shark, a hawk, and a white kitty cat. He turned into a kitty cat. Greg, he can turn into a cat. He can turn into a cat. So don't give me that crap. He oh, turned into a kitty on, cat. It's like he okay, can, no, but no, why would no, he do no, it? No, Chico, Chico, time out. No, you time out, Chico. No, 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 Greg. Don't Are we really play, doing oh, this again? No, no, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> Chico, lay out for a second. Greg, don't you dare play. Oh, good for you. You can blow that out your butt, okay? He played a kitty cat, proven. Thank you. I made my case. Well, we're still going to play it anyway. Oh, good for you. I'm just wondering, okay, we never said he couldn't. We just wondered why he would. Well, there you go. He did it. So, again, maybe to sneak into the, the compound and then, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom really badly and he didn't want to make it look so apparent as a person running into a bathroom stall. Maybe he wanted to, like, prance in there as a kitty cat, then turn into a human and then... I that that's all I got. I'm not sorry. Not wasting another 20 minutes on this. No, we're not. No, we're okay. Not. Oh, by no, the way, not, by the way, uh, the shark and the white cat were done off screen, whereas the panther and the hawk transformations were designed and created by legendary, legendary science fiction special effects master Stan Winston. And Mike shat on that when I brought it up. He shat on it. He disrespected the name of the great Stan Winston. Mike, I will not have you say that. Stan Winston is a legend. That was three years ago. I, I take it back. Okay, good. Okay. All right, one more name, just because one of my favorite movies uh, of the last 20 years or so. Playing Colonel Hunt in this episode is Ed Lauder. He played the coach, the football coach, on Not Another Teen Movie. Ah, uh, that is one of the uh, one of my favorite movies of like the last twenty to twenty five years. I know it isn't very popular, but oh, I, I'm just such an immature little sucker. That movie is so great. Not another teen movie. And you know what? It gave us America's ass. Oh, hold on, <laughs> Chico. You saw episode one of She Hulk, right? Yes. Okay. I loved it. By the All way, right. so She Hulk. That's going to be on our year-end special. Two thumbs up, Bafo. Okay. So, Mike, do you want to find out the mid-credits scene in episode one of She-Hulk? Okay. It has to do with uh, America's ass in some capacity. You've got to do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Spot on up, spot on up, spot on up. You never got to experience sex. <laughs> Did you see that ass? Like, that ass did not deserve to die virgin. It's like so Steve Rogers is not a virgin. He lost his virginity to a girl in 1943 on the USO tour. Yes, I knew it. 
You're not drunk? Captain America! (laughs) (laughs) And they cut out right when she's about to say the F word. (laughs) So we learned that Steve Rogers banged a girl. 1943, the USO tour. Mike, your response to this? Well, that does certainly give a whole new meaning for taking one for the troops. No, no, stop, 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 stop. It doesn't deserve that. Oh, yes, it does. It does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. I know you have this whole imposter syndrome thing going on, but you deserve a pound for that. All right. Hey! Now you know why they called him America's ass. Yeah. Yeah, uh, apparently it's for the war effort. You know, some people gave up, like, you know, chicken fat, and some people gave up, like, uh, precious metals and whatnot. Some people gave up chicken fat. Some people gave up precious metals. Ladies in the USO gave up the goodies. And America's ass gave up his man seed. Okay, okay, next episode, next episode. Before we get in further trouble, episode two, Illusion. Jonathan is helping the police apprehend the man behind a smuggling ring, but they discover that the man is a diplomat with diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. Jonathan follows him and sees him talking to a magician. Later, the magician appears to have been killed by the leopard he uses in his act. His partner says his partner always went near the leopard and nothing happened. Rivera says that the leopard, by law, has to be put down. Jonathan doesn't think the leopard killed the magician. They try to find out what the connection between the diplomat and the magician is. Okay, Chico... Since it sounds like you got the wiki up, does it say if uh, Jonathan Chase turns into a leopard in this episode? It would not surprise me if he did, but I actually have the the IMDb up, not the uh, not the leopard. Oh, uh, not the leopard? How about not the wiki? Well, I mean, not the wiki. Uh, now, it, this is the first appearance of the on-screen hawk transformation, although Jonathan changes into a hawk in the pilot. Only the on-screen panther transformation was used. It does not say what else he turned into. But he did turn into a leopard at some point. Okay. All right. Now I was just curious if somehow uh, he turned I mean, into another leopard. Make, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, taking a look at the guests on this episode, playing Ross was Christopher Stone. He was on Dallas briefly. Looks like uh, the 1984 season, so that would be like season five, season six. He was on the new Lassie. The new Lassie. The new Lassie. What wasn't that a a, a Family Channel joint? No, that was no, that was uh, syndicated. If I'm not. Oh mistaken. yes, it was. Oh, uh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I think I was confusing my new Lassie with like Rin Tin Tin Canine yeah. Cop or something which like that. Ba- which was basically the American title for the Canadian series Cats and Dog. Hold on. Wasn't Todd Bridges in the new Lassie? 
Todd I, Bridges in the new Lassie? Yeah, I think he was in the new Lassie, wasn't he? Yes. Yes, he was. He wait, was wait, 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 wait. And also, I'm sorry, since I think Greg mentioned this earlier. Also, besides uh, Todd Bridges, Will Estes. Oh, that's terrific. <laughs> and, Le- and Leonardo DiCaprio. And wait, hold on, hold on. This is like coming full circle to Greg and Robin Thicke. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Will Estes, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Robin Thicke. Hold on. That must explain why Leo got that job on Growing Pains. It would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm so glad I mentioned the new Lassie. Oh. Another uh, role in this episode, playing the role of Zoltan Gregory, Richard Lynch, who was also on Jake and the Fat Man, and also on two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. I know we can't declare money in the banks for at least another two weeks, Greg, but one of the candidates for my money in the bank for uh, next year had Todd Bridges. Ooh. It's either going to be my money in the bank or it's going to be my election day uh, episode. One or the other. Well, My my, my election day submission, I should say. It's not going to necessarily be the episode, but Todd Bridges was in this series. There you go. Oh, playing Billy's father on this episode, and and Billy's played by Bobby Jacoby, but I'm not worried about him. Playing Billy's father was Patrick Gorman. We didn't talk about him that long ago because he played Skip on Abby's. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yep. I believe we have another Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour callback. Oh. Yep. Playing the role of Jessica DeVere, Christy Claridge. Oh, you, <laughs> you know what that means. Yes. Say it, Greg. First, Hulk Hogan's ex-sister-in-law, brother. <laughs> but second, Butch Hortman picked the 30 and he <laughs> lost with her. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, just going through my mind right now, because uh, 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 this is another panelist on that week with uh, Christine Claridge, was Vic Dunlop. And just in my head, I hear him saying, Butchie! 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 Come on, Butchie! Come on, Butchie! Oh my God. <laughs> Can you find the clip of him saying, Come on, Butchie? It's it's out there. I I, I will I will valiantly look for it. Butchie. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I only wish Vic Dunlap was on a week with Eddie Mecca. Butchie. Butchie. Hey, want to go out for some slices? Hey. Oh boy. By the way, I was in Brooklyn this past week, and I paid my own personal tribute to Eddie Mecca at the Cyclones game. You got a slice and said A all the time? I ate at Nathan's, so. Hey, I got some Nathan's getting a footlong. Oh, yeah, I got some footlongs and some crinkle fries and a lemonade. Hey. 
Because you know what gets after Nathan's lemonade. Hey! Hey, okay. Joey Chestnut, I got my 80 foot longs right here. Hey! Okay, bringing it slowly, bringing it back to the subject at hand. <laughs> Episode 3 Night of the Scorpion. A man is found dead on a ship with a venomous spider next to him. Jonathan is brought in, and he doesn't think the spider is the cause of death. An autopsy is done, and it's discovered that he had some kind of drug in his system. A drug that is kind of truth serum, and he had a bad reaction to it. They meet his daughter, who says he does work in the Bahamas, so Jonathan decides to go there, and she joins him. They go to the bank and find a note with a $100 bill that says, A million more. So she wonders if there is a million, how did he get it? They run into his boss. Later, some men grab her, and they're Russian. They oh, want... oh, my God. Later, they find the money, and the Russians grab it, but they don't seem to be interested in the money. They talk to the boss, who reveals that his father worked for the CIA, and he took the money from the company. And he was in charge of a list of CIA agents who are working in Russia, which is what they're looking for. They're looking for the mailbox. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Her father was going to sell it to the Russians, and she doesn't believe it. Uh, Arnold Sipes, in this episode, played by the incomparable Doug McClure. Oh, yes. The, the mayor on Out of This World. Later, the sheriff's deputy on Out of This World, while Donna Pesco is the mayor. But TV legend, he goes way back. And he's actually one of two influences to the Simpsons character, Troy McClure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never knew that. Oh, it makes sense. Tro- Tro- he's I a think mix the of... other one is Troy Donahue, if I'm yes, not Yes, he, he's a mix of Troy Donahue and uh, Doug McClure. So that, that's how you get Troy McClure. But yeah, he he's, goes back a long ways, back to the 50s. Many, many, many credits to his name. And obviously his legacy lives on in the sense of Troy McClure being named after him, even though really Troy McClure hasn't been on The Simpsons in close to 25 years at this point. Yeah, after the death of Phil Hartman, they pretty much retired the role. Um, Which is, a, it's a, well, it's a big shame in a number of ways, but Troy McClure is just the best character ever. One of the best. Indeed, he is. And also Phil Hartman, by extension. And also, Phil, you know, Phil Hartman can do no wrong. Let's be honest here. Anyway, um, also on this episode, playing the role of Terry Sloan, is Mary Margaret Humes, who is going to be on future entry, Erie, Indiana, which we will talk about later this year. As well as 93 episodes as Gail Leary on Dawson's Creek. I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. I don't want to wait for my lunch to get colder. Wait, also, I I have a comment to add. Mm -hmm. You know how we say about, you know, uh, he's that person from that thing. And we talk about the typecasting of, we talk about Robin Riker, uh, her typecasting, and and, uh, Dick Wilson, Mr. Whipple's typecasting as a drunk. I'm going to put her in sort of a new category. She's that woman from that Hallmark Christmas movie. Look at her. her uh, I'm uh, looking her at her credits. credits. A Christmas to Treasure. 
a feeling of home, which sounds like it may be uh, some sort of lifetime slash Hallmark movie. Winter love story, Christmas in love, a detour for Christmas. Matchmaker Santa. Wow, those sound terrible. And, and they're all within like the last ten years, and they all clearly sound like. I have to wonder movies. if they were all taped one after the other after the other. So they have an endless stream of Christmas movies to release for the holiday season. Chico, you saw that SNL skit with uh, James Franco as Chris Bearstick? Yeah, of course. The answer is yes. Well, yeah, I mean, how do they get so many movies to do uh, Christmas marathons starting November 1st, basically, and going until January 1st? How do you think they get two months straight of holiday movies? They just churn them out. They churn them out like it's a Byron Allen production. <laughs> you know I'm not wrong, though. I'm, no. I, I know you're not. That's the thing. I know you're not wrong because I let's just say we have friends in the business. Yes, we do. <laughs> hey, guys. Hi. Episode four. Female of the species. A girl was found in India, apparently raised by wolves and brought to the U.S. and being kept at a university while she is being studied. Jonathan attends a lecture, and it's during the lecture her habitat is set on fire. Jonathan tries to save her, but she runs away. When she sees Jonathan transform, she trusts him. Jonathan takes her to his home and tries to communicate with her. The scientist who founds her demands she be returned to him, but Jonathan thinks she's in danger. Jonathan asks Ty to check her out and thinks she's the daughter of a businessman who happened to be the area where she was found years ago, and while her entire family was found dead, she went missing. Brooke goes to talk to her father's partner, and when she meets him, she thinks she saw him somewhere. She checks the video of the lecture and sees he was there. Later, someone takes the girl. Now, as I mentioned in the original episode, this episode was recycled for The Wizard in 1986 and in previous entry, Thunder in Paradise. Because all three episodes were written by Michael Burke and Douglas Schwartz. So basically... They have to find out who she is and why she was left there in order to maybe, possibly, protect her from whoever's trying to kill her. Hey, we have a name in this episode, and we have, I really think, IMDb dropping the ball on uh, another name. Playing a bag lady in this episode is Gloria Stewart, absolute legend. Mm -hmm. She played old Rose in Titanic. She lived to be 100 years old. Hasn't been with us since 2010, but she has quite the resume going all the way back to 1932. 90 years ago. Yeah, and also old Rose from Titanic. That's what I already said. Yes, old Rose from Titanic. Hey, Chico, did you know she was old Rose in Titanic? I had a feeling she was old Rose in Titanic. Okay, just want to make sure. I, I thought I heard that somewhere. Hey, guys, I got one thing to say. It's been 84 years. Feels like it, doesn't it? It's been 84 years. 
Well, now, the credit that I'm going to dispute, playing reporter number one, we've talked about him. I've actually mentioned my story about how I'm related to him, his connection with me. It says reporter number one was played by Steve Burton from General Hospital, among other things. I sincerely doubt that. However, he would have been 13 years old. And also, as I've said previously, he was my little league coach in 1984, the season I had no hits and I led the league in walks. Because I was a puss-puss who couldn't swing the bat. Well, Mike, as we've already established, you were nowhere near a Joey Gallo. Hey, you know, since he left the Yankees, I saw the stat the other day. The number of homers he's had for L.A., he's had three. The Yankees have had two wins since they traded him. So, the joke's on the Yankees! And also, Steve Burton, as far as I know, didn't even go to Los Angeles until I think it was like 86. Because his big break would have been out of this world, which second time we mentioned out of this world in this episode, amazingly, his big break would have been out of this world, which would have been, I think he started in uh, late first season. So that would be 88. So I'm disputing the, the Steve Burton entry because I knew Steve Burton in 1983 and 1984, and he was not commuting to Los Angeles to act. He was in like eighth grade at that time, seventh grade. No, sorry, IMDb. You're wrong. You're drunk. Go home. Go home, IMDb. You're drunk. Hey, I think this is the first time we've actually corrected IMDb. Yay! IMDb, you should think that it was a thing on TV podcasts for finding an error in your database. Episode 5, Chico? Episode 5, High Stakes. Jonathan and Ty are at the racetrack. A female horse owner sees another racing and thinks that it's her horse, which was stolen some time ago. She confronts the man who owns the horse and says she's wrong, but she still insists she's right. Jonathan decides to intervene on her behalf and maybe, possibly, recover the horse. Okay, I'm guessing Jonathan in this episode transforms into a horse. Yep. So they're another animal that is not fierce, unless it's like a wild horse. Unless it's a horse that's being trained by Bob Baffert. Oh, Chase, no. No, Greg, bad. Bad. You should be ashamed of yourself. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. That's fine. But you're not wrong. Jeez. Well, playing a role as Kathy Bonin in this episode, Tracy Scoggins. What Really, what hasn't she done? She's done a lot. Yeah, she was in Babylon 5. She was in The New Adventures of Superman. She was Cat Grant before Callista Flockhart was Cat Grant in Supergirl. Yeah, and by New Adventures of Superman, we mean Lois and Clark. Yes. She was in the Colbys! Yes, future entry the Colbys. Hold on, guys. She was in two episodes of Silk Stalking! And you know what that means? Boy! <laughs> Damn it, monitor, go off. Come on, go, go, go. I got nothing, guys, I'm sorry. Literally and figuratively. There is a guy by the name of David Shiner who plays Sheldon Greentree, and he's more of a Broadway actor 
than anything. Oh, hold on, guys. He was in, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, in the Gong Show movie. What? I need to, I need to pull out my Blu-ray copy of that. He plays Dr. Jerry Queasley. David Shiner plays Dr. Jerry... What was it? Jerry Queasley? Yeah, in the Gong Show movie. Look at, yeah, take a look at this. Take a look at it. Please don't get the movie. I, I bought it a number of years ago, and I'm not even joking. I don't think I've gotten more than 15 minutes into the movie because it's just that bad. Yeah, we've already established Mike does not a fan of the Gong Show movie. He was in the Gong Show movie. Okay. Alright. Well, you guys haven't seen it, have you? No. No. And I you're never plan to see it. I say you're the smart ones who don't plan on spending twelve or thirteen dollars on that Blu-ray. Good. Oh, another person of note in this episode playing the role of Harold Trout is Lou Horn, who would be on uh, movies like Dick Tracy and The Touch of Satan. But Greg, you and I probably remember him as Mr. Moody. From Saved by the Bell. Oh, yes! Mr. Moody from Saved Heel by the Bell. Heel Supreme, Mr. Moody. Mr. Moody. Oh, he was awesome, Mr. Moody. Mr. Moody, and I'm in a bad Moody. And also, uh, he was on an episode of Holmes and Yo-Yo. We talked about uh, that. It looks like he was the dentist in the episode The Dental Dynamiter. Yep. We've definitely talked about him. He's a heel, man. Oh, wait. What, was that the Christmas episode of Saved by the Bell? That was the Christmas episode of Saved by the Bell. With the homeless guy, right? With the homeless guy, yeah. Oh, what an <laughs> that guy was. I'm surprised it took you this long to figure it out. So after episode five uh, that aired on November 5th of 1983, NBC made the decision to put uh, Manimal on hiatus. So David Letterman had some stuff to say about the hiatus of Manimal. And this is a clip. It's about six to seven minutes. So uh, hang in there with us. Here's David Letterman's thoughts on uh, well, uh, look at it this way. It's not as long as the opening to the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show. No, oh no, it's good. It's longer. It says it's eight minutes and 41 seconds. But again, here's David Letterman's thoughts on Manimal status from November 8th of 1983. Okay, we got a good show for you folks here tonight. Uh, for all television-watching Americans, this, however, is a time of uncertainty, a time of hope, and a time of fear. Last Friday, the National Broadcasting Corporation aired what could be the final episode of the high-style fantasy adventure series, Manimal. Yes, the show about a man who fights crime by transforming himself into different animals has been temporarily removed from the NBC lineup and placed into that TV netherworld known as hiatus. <laughs> now its fate is in question, and join us, won't you, as we remember the past and look to the future of Manimal Show at the Crossroads. September 30th, 1983, America danced to the music of Air Supply. Ronald Reagan was in the White House, and a pair of legs pantyhose cost only $2.25. <laughs> Onto this scene burst the special 90-minute premiere of 
Manimal, in which the timely arrival of Professor Jonathan Chase in the form of a panther foils a robbery attempt. This is obviously a tiger. We couldn't find a picture of a panther, but I'm sure he could have turned himself into a tiger. In the weeks to follow, an interior secretary resigns, the Orioles win a world championship, and Professor Chase expands his animal repertoire with dizzying swiftness. On October 14th, he becomes a hawk to break up a smuggling ring. Once again, we couldn't find a picture of a hawk. This is an owl. Who wild? stalks a killer in the guise of a parrot. And then the show reaches a high watermark as Chase cracks a baffling case by becoming, in succession, a mule, a snake, a camel, and a house cat. Until November 4th, 1983, Black Friday. The last regularly scheduled broadcast of the program. Now we may never learn who these other two people are. Is she beautiful but not afraid to get her hands dirty? Is he streetwise but loyal? But more importantly, with scarcely more than a dozen transformations to his credit, we may now never see Manimal become a collie, a gecko, or one of the more than 6,000 varieties of beetle. But whatever happens, we still have our memories of four of the finest episodes of fantasy adventure ever to light up our Friday evenings. Now, we have some people in our studio audience who have agreed to share their feelings with us at this difficult time. How do you do, sir? Welcome to the program. What is your name, please? My name is Kyle Thompson. Kyle, what do you do for a living? I work for a uh, large fast food chain specializing in hamburgers. All right, Kyle. Uh, I wonder if you could describe the first manimal show you ever saw. Well, it was uh, an ordinary Friday evening. I was in the living room and uh, flipping through the dials on the television set, and I came upon a scene of a man turning into a hawk. And uh, that was probably the one called Night of the Scorpion. Now, pretty impressive special effects, don't you think? Well, no, not really. He sort of just went behind the wall, and then the bird came out. Okay, well, thank you for sharing your memory. Uh, I'd like to ask our next audience member if uh, they could recall where they were when they learned that the show will not stay on the air. Uh, yeah, I was, I was over at a friend's house, and we thought we'd watch some TV. So I was going through the TV guide, and it said the show was in hiatus. And how did, how did you feel about that? Kind of numb, yeah. you know. <laughs> it, it, you know, it hadn't sunk in that, you know, Manimal just won't be on the air this week. Yeah, I understand. Now, if the show did come back on, uh, any changes you would like to see in the program, sir? Yes, I'd like to see Manimal turn into a car. <laughs> like a computerized car, something really cool. Well, well, then it would be man automobile or something. It would probably wouldn't work. All right, thank I, you I very much, so. sir. Nice talking to you. Okay. And uh, finally, we have uh, one other member of our studio audience who was kind enough to speak with us tonight. How do you do, ma'am? What was it uh, you liked about the Manimal program? What made it special for you? Well, I liked everything about it. I liked the costumes and the musical numbers and the guest stars like uh, Loretta Lynn and George Jones. And I like all the sisters, especially Barbara. And I like Louise and Earlene. Uh, excuse me, I, I think you're thinking of the Mandrell sisters. We're talking about the, the show Manimal. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's good. All right. <laughs> well, so, what then exactly is this hiatus on which Manimal has been placed? Does it mean there is no hope for? all of the series and for its hundreds of fans. Uh, to get an answer to this question, we have decided to call NBC Program Information in Burbank, California. I have the number right here, I hope. 
Yep, this must be the number. Calling Los Angeles, California. Push the button. Push the top button. Thank you. Calling Burbank, California. NBC program information. Going to find out about the hiatus for Manimal. There's the first ring. It would be ring number two. NBC programming. Yes, uh, my name is David Letterman. I'm calling from New York City. Is this uh, programming for NBC? I guess it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, Ma'am, I have a, a question for you about Manimal. Will we be seeing the program on Friday night? This second, please. Uh, no, it's been preempted. Going to be preempted. Now, I, I read in TV Guide where it's placed on hiatus. What what exactly does that mean? Well, it just means that for a couple of weeks we'll be um, showing different programs. Mm -hmm. uh, and do you think we'll ever see Manimal again? I really don't know. No idea at all? Press release on it. Yeah. Uh, are you getting a lot of reaction from viewers about this? I really can't say one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Is Is there anything you can talk about? <laughs> Well, I'm, we're not allowed to release that. If you like, I could connect to the press department. Well, what did you have for lunch? Is that... Uh... <laughs> okay, listen, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much for your information. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, have a nice day. All right, well, uh, we have yet to get a definite answer on the fate of Manimal, but I, for one, can't let it go. There's still something we can do, of course. I mean, consult a psychic. Please welcome a man who has been on this show many times before, window washer, psychic, Morris Fonte. Morris! Morris, have you seen the program in question, Manimal? No, I haven't. Have not seen the show. No. Morris, uh, from what we understand, the show has been placed on a, uh, a hiatus, not actually been canceled, but we need to know, is there any chance that it will ever return? Sorry to say, I don't feel it will. Oh, really? No. That is gone and gone forever. What, what about uh, a cast album? Well, I wish that would happen. So Manimal really will never come back? Nope. Not, no. not on another network, not in syndication, not in home cassettes? Nowhere. Nowhere. It's a ghost. It's, it's a history. Ghost. It's vapor. It's vapor. He went into the, to the, to the, uh, to the west or somewhere, and, and that's where he'll stay. <laughs> so in the words of Psychic Morris Fonte, Manimal has moved west. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Morris, those, those are certainly... <laughs> Certainly sad words, uh, but but uh, I appreciate you coming to the show to tell us about the fate of Manimal. Moved west, ladies and gentlemen. Or maybe New Jersey or something. Maybe New Jersey. Okay. Uh, we have to pause here. We'll be back with Red Fox, folks. Well, Morris, the psychic window washer, you're wrong. It's not gone after five episodes. And it has actually been released on DVD. And it had, exactly, I was going to add that. Yes, it's not uh, home cassette tapes, but you still can watch it at home. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Yes. But like I said, we have more than five episodes. We're going to go to number six right now. And we should add that 
the series did return on December 3rd, so it got a brief hiatus of about a month or so, about four weeks. Yeah, exactly one month, because November has 30 days, you see. And, and also, they probably wanted to wait until Sweeps was over. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's like, you want to show, like, Manimal on Sweeps? What? And also, maybe spoiler alert here. Spoiler alert! Dave made reference to a man that turns into a car. Oh. Hmm. Mm, uh, you, you may want to stick around for episode 300. Wink, 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 wink. And especially if you listen to the original episode. And also, please remember, episode 300 is when Greg has a total game changer. Oh yeah, it is literally going to change the face of this podcast. It'll change it forever. But I'm forever. getting ahead I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Episode six, Chico. Episode six. Scrimshaw. Jonathan, Brooke, and Ty are at the beach with Seaman and his grandson. Jonathan- Wait, you said Seaman? Oh, <laughs> who the f wrote this shit? Anyway. Jonathan, Brooke, and Ty are at the beach with a seaman and his grandson. They find a skeleton, and it's quite obvious that the person was killed by a boomerang that struck his head, because the boomerang is still embedded inside of it. The person was also holding a scrimshaw. They notice something carved into it, which is a map. So they try to find out who the victim is, who the killer is, and what the map was leading to. In the meantime, the seaman keeping something from them. Oh. And we have a new transformation sequence, which Jonathan turns into a snake. Oh, that's awesome! We got a transformation sequence where Jonathan Chase turns into a snake. That is awesome! By the way, a scrimshaw, if you don't know, is a walrus tusk with carvings on it. And that's your neato fact of the day. It could be a whale tooth, too. It could be a whale tooth, too. Oh, neat. Hey, names. Okay. I I see three here. Three big names. Legitimately, one is a Hall of Famer. One might be a fringe Hall of Famer. And the other is one of the best characters in one of my favorite movies ever. Let's get to those three. Okay. First, playing Corky Morgan. The one, the only... Mina Pelucci. The uh, half-brother... Yep, Voyagers. Also the half-brother of Suleiman Fry. Oh, yeah. Yes. And playing his grandfather, Clancy Sea Dog Morgan. Yes, the seaman. Okay, Chico, say it. Keenan Motherfather Win. Yes! Oh, my God. Of course, this was before we realized he invented the super train. <laughs> Ties were tough after Super Train ended. He had to go into the sea, Keenan win. Yep, after they closed the Super Train, he had no money left, so he went to the sea with his grandson. So about three weeks ago, after Pat Carroll's death, I was uh, on YouTube. Uh, I thought I saw that she was on an episode, or at least one existing episode, of You Don't Say back in the 60s. And she was on a couple. I think she was on one with Mel Torme in color. Beautiful episode. But while I was searching there, you're not going to believe this. 
Keenan Wynn did an episode or a week of You Don't Say with Mary Tyler Moore. Oh my God! What? No joke. Keenan Wynn did a week of You Don't Say back in 1963, about nine months into its run, with Mary Tyler Moore. That is amazing. Tom Kennedy, Keenan Wynn, and Mary Tyler Moore all in the same place at the same time. Yes, and it is on YouTube. Oh, that's great. The third name. Oh, th- playing a referee in this episode. Anne Ramsey. And if you don't know who Anne Ramsey is, go watch Throw Mama from the Train. Or go the watch go- The Goonies. That's or The right. Goonies. Or The Goonies. Regardless. Goonies, Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, just one of the great, great actresses. And she passed away, like, right after she did those movies. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Goonies is 85 and Throw Mama was 87, but she died in 88. Yeah. And she was only 59 at the time. Yeah, it's amazing, because when you watch the Goonies, she looks like 70. She looks old. She looks definitely older than she actually is. That is crazy. And, and same with Throw Mama from the Train. I mean, she looked like she was probably 70 or 75. She played... Uh, was it uh, Danny DeVito's mom in that movie, or yes, was it Billy was. Crystal's? Yeah, she was Danny DeVito's mom. So Danny in that movie, his character, he hires Billy to kill her. Yes. And I just remember the one line from her. You clumsy poop! That's why I remember from that movie, from, from 35 <laughs> years ago. But yeah, she was, before the Goonies, she was like a perennial, that woman from that thing. Because she was in like a lot of stuff in bit parts. Like, she was in uh, an episode of Three's Company as Woman at Bank. So she was a woman. At a bank. At a bank. Yes. You got it. Okay. She was in an ABC after-school special called A Home Run for Love as Nurse. I wonder what this is. Oh, this is, oh my God, this is sweet. In 1947, a young white boy and an elderly black man enjoy a warm and wonderful friendship based on their mutual love of the Brooklyn Dodgers and Jackie Robinson. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, oh my God. Hold on a second. Yeah, you just saw what I saw, I think. There's two notable people in the cast of this. Two, three, three. Three, okay. But first, the first name in this Felicity Huffman. What? But also the second name, Edie McClurg. Nice. And well, also the... the third name, Red Barber. Yes, Red Barber. Hold on a second. Let me, is this on YouTube? Oh, if this is on YouTube, we need to put it on the list. Oh, we're going to, if this is on YouTube, we're covering. Yes, it is on YouTube. It's <laughs> on the... Put it on the list. Put it on the list, and we're covering it for Jackie Robinson Day. That's great. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to cry. That's beautiful. Yes. Oh. Oh, my God. That is terrific. That is... YouTube, you've come through again. This is so great. And Felicity Huffman, what would she have been at the time? Probably about 15 or so? Oh, yeah, this would have been long before she met William H. Macy. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking, wasn't that around uh, the time Desperate Housewives started? So this is easily like 25 years before that. 
if not 30. Oh my gosh. So yeah, Ann Ramsey, just like I said, really late in life between the Goonies, throw mama from the train. That's sort of when she hit her, her peak, her apex. And she died like within a year after hitting that peak. I mean, she was so popular. I'm taking a look at her credits here. She was on a week of the new Hollywood squares. She was. Yes. Oh I hope she was the secret square in one of those episodes. Okay, I'm going down a YouTube hole. Oh, okay, bring it back. Bring it back. We're bringing it, it, it back it, now. If she was, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Who, who was, was, it was, uh, what's her name? Uh, from the second to last week of Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour, when I, you said, did she ever have the 30? It was Anne-Marie somebody or other. Anne-Marie Johnson? No, not, no. No, Anne-Marie Johnson. It was Anne-Marie, like, Morgan or something like that. And, and I, I did the live research during the show, and I said, Greg, she was uh, had the 30, not just on the Tuesday episode, but the Wednesday episode, and you frigging lost it. I'm seeing May of 1988. I'm not I see February of 1988. I see a March on March of 87. So it does not look like it's on the YouTubes yet. But I did find a channel the other day that had a ton of Hollywood squares talking about the Whoopi Goldberg version, talking about the John Davidson version, and talking about the original version. It looks like uh, like every episode that could be out there was on this channel, but I don't see anything uh, regarding, uh, regarding Anne Ramsey. But you knew she had to be the secret score at least once. You knew she had to be the secret score at least once. Episode 7, Breath of the Dragon. Jonathan transforms himself into a dragon. I'm kidding. Oh, that would have been awesome. It would be incredible. No, you see, wait, wait, wait. That would have opened a whole new uh, box of, of issues here because how can he turn into something that doesn't exist? Exactly. How do you yeah. know dragons didn't exist, Mike? In 1983? Moving on. While visiting a friend in Chinatown, Jonathan discovers that there's a gang who are shaking down everyone. He discovers his friend's grandson has joined the gang. They learn that the man behind the gang calls himself the dragon, who's emulating a man who years ago demanded that people give him half their earnings, and if not, they will receive the mark of the dragon left at their door, and if they still refuse, they will feel the breath of the dragon, which is fire. Jonathan learns he also has a gambling casino, which he goes to and meets the man, trying to help his friend's grandson, but gets beaten by the dragon. Later, he challenges the dragon to a fight. Guys! Guys! Playing Grandfather Tan in this episode. And we've talked about him multiple times on this podcast. James Hong. The legendary James Hong. Another potential future Hall of Famer? Possibly. Oh, yeah. yeah. You want to talk about people who have done everything. Playing the dragon himself. George Keechung. Wow. And we're talking about, uh, he was in the Kentucky Fried movie, he was in Rambo First Blood Part 2, he was in 
Big Trouble in Little China. Also with James Hong. Also with James Hong. He was in the live-action version of Fits of the North Star with Costas Mandalore. Oh, fantastic. Unfortunately, that was a movie film and not a TV series, so... No. Oh, well. Although I will have to find if that is streaming somewhere. He played So Young's driver in Rush Hour. He was a Chinese teacher in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. And on television, he was actually in... Oh, God. Oh, he was... Oh! Greg! What? Greg! Greg Dieter! He was Korean Elvis. Oh, oh my God, he was Korean Elvis. Wait, wait, he was Korean Elvis in what? How I Met Your Mother, season one. Oh, my God, yes! Which episode of that was that? Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Yes, it is true. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. And he played an owner in the pothole episode of Seinfeld. Oh, the pothole episode! That is the episode of Seinfeld where, like, George has, like, the, um, the keychain of Phil Rizzuto that says, holy cow, and it gets stuck in the pothole. So every time a car runs through the pothole, you hear Phil Rizzuto say, holy cow! <laughs> and he also played a Chinese professor in Guess Who's Coming to College, that episode of Saint by the Bell of the College Years, which we previously covered. Cool. So yes, he is that guy from that thing. And he's epic. And we got one more episode to go. One more episode. It's called Night of the Beast. Vacationing in a small town, Birch Hollow, JC is kidnapped by a woman who believes he is responsible for the disappearance of her brother. She locks JC in a crate, and at the hotel, Ty and Brooke find criminals who plot to establish a casino. And we got a big name as one of the thugs in this episode. Yep. And that's actually what he's credited as, is thug Robert England. The one, the only, Freddy Krueger. Oh, yes. And also, recent of note, he was in the new season of Stranger Things. Yep. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, he was in um, episode four of season four, Dear Billy, which, Chica, we got we'll talk about it in the year-end show. But that was probably the best episode of that. That was that was bit, that that episode had everything in it. It had action. It had emotion. It had high drama. It had. It was it was a, it was an incredible episode. Yeah, and after seeing that, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait for Sean Levy to direct Deadpool three. So this must have been one of Robert England's final minor roles, right before A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, because I think A Nightmare on Elm Street would have been, what, 84? Yeah, because he would have been yeah. in also in V. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was probably, like, summer of 84. So, yeah, this is December of 83. So within probably about six months or so, give or take, that was his big break. That was his big career move. 
Indeed it was. Oh, hold on, Mike. Robert England was in an episode of Buried with Children in 1997 where he played Lucifer. Yeah, I know because Sir, and I talked about this. I think on the one se- it lasted one season too long episode. That episode is one of my least favorite episodes of Married with Children ever, oh. ever. Because uh, there's so much. It's just a bad storyline. Actually, I referred to it. Um, Oh, gosh, it was within uh, the last couple of weeks because that was the episode where Al Bundy did a deal with the oh, devil. Oh, yes, yeah. we'll see the Bears in, a Super in the Super Bowl, Bowl, but not win the Super Bowl. Right. Not win the Super Bowl. He, 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 he was Lucifer, the devil that Al Bundy made the deal with. There's many reasons I hate that episode. The, the animations, they use a lot of CGI animations for reaction shots. And they're absolutely stupid, and it's like the only time in the series they did it, and it just totally took away from it. But yeah, I know that episode too well, and literally, it is one of a very small handful of episodes of Married with Children I refuse to watch again. Okay, but this will not be the last time we'll talk about Robert England, because he voiced the Vulture in The Spectacular Spider-Man. That would be the animated series, if I'm yes, not mistaken? from the late 2000s, yes. The much-loved Spectacular Spider-Man. We'll probably cover that whenever one of the two uh, Spider-Verse sequels comes out. Yep. This would also not be the last time we hear of Manimal, which is not ever mentioned by that name, because he was in a 1998 episode of Nightman. Oh, yeah. And Nightman, it's terrible. Yeah. A superhero, saxophone player, struck by lightning, gains superpowers, but loses the ability to sleep. And in this particular episode, Jack the Ripper learns how to time travel. He travels to the present day. Johnny Domino as Nightman teams up with Dr. Jonathan Chase. He turns into animals. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, Glenn A. Larson, who co-created Manimal, wrote this episode in hopes of turning it into a backdoor pilot for a reboot of Manimal. Now that we live in the future that we are currently living in, we know that that did not happen. No. Sad. So, aside from the obvious, what happened? Oh, people were not ready for this. People were not ready for this. I'll tell you, you know what? People were more ready to watch people win the lottery on ABC. But if you really want to know what happens to Manimal, one word. Dallas. Oh, yeah. That's happened plenty of times. We've talked about many victims to Dallas. And really, if you take a look at the ratings, I'm not even going to go through all the episodes of ratings. Let's just say it was consistently in the bottom 10, even bottom 5 of episodes any given week. The week of October 28th, Manimal pulled a 10.9 rating, a repeat of Dallas, a repeat of Dallas, pulled a 24. Yeah. To, to put it very kindly, 
this may have been consistently the second worst show on television ratings wise in 1983 and not even the worst show on NBC because the one show we see constantly at the bottom of the ratings also an NBC show was first camera we talked about that because that was like the monitor TV show but then changed his name to first camera yeah we talked about that in the Voyagers episode yeah and then after the hiatus it returns to saturday nights where it aired up opposite the love boat it did not do any better it's like it was bound to lose wherever it went i mean the special effects were incredible but they were also expensive and there's a lot of guest stars i mean we've gone through a lot of guest stars and that's just scratching the surface and guest stars cost money Guest stars cost money, and special effects, they also cost money. They didn't use the effects that darn much, and whenever they did, they were either recycled stock footage, or the transformation took place out of camera shot. And really also, trained animals for those scenes cost money too. Yeah, and they were not easy to work with, from what I understand. Animals usually earned. Add all of this together, and you can understand that it was not worth the expense to keep this show on the air. Eight episodes would work just fine. Nine if you count Nightman in 1998. Well, that explains why Manimal, even on its second time around, we can say it's just a thing on TV. Yeah. And guys, I, as you all know, one day, one day, I'm going to own that glorious photo of Simon McCorkendale with the Falcon. Greg, I'm not even going to pull your strings here. I've been looking on eBay for that photo for you. Oh. Not even joking. I'm looking out for you, man. Okay, good. Did you find it yet? No, well, trust me, if I found it, I would have told you guys. You, could, you and, should and, give, send that to me as a Christmas gift. Well, again, I'm looking. What, Greg, just ruined Christmas for everybody. Why do you think I'm looking at uh, for it for you? Because I just, you know, randomly want to give you a present? No, I was thinking about this as potentially a, a Christmas gift or and or uh, as a birthday present. Well, maybe one day. But you know what, guys, until then. Yeah. Until then, you can at least will you settle for the DVD of Manimal, because you can get it from Shout Factory for the low, low price of twenty two dollars. Well, I wasn't even talking about that, guys, because hey, let's play eBay Prices Right. You guys are bidding on a lot of five minimal 35 millimeter slides. Are we sure none of these slides are of the picture you uh, are pining over? No, none of oh. these are the, for the picture. But there is the Falcon. The Falcon's in one of them. Okay. 
And I'll read the description. Okay, I'll tell you right now, one of them does have the Falcon. Yeah. And the picture of Melody Anderson. Yes. The images are in good shape. The slide mounts may have a bit of minor wear. The white stripe at the bottom of the slides on the back is part of the storage page and is not on the slides. So, okay. Chico, I'm going to start the bidding with you. I'm going to go $24. $24. Mike. I don't want to be that guy. I'm sorry, Chico. $24.95. You suck. I, I seriously was thinking $25. So, I, I like I said, I don't want to be that guy. Guys, you know whenever I do this segment, it's <laughs> going to be ridiculous. Okay, get ready for the price. All right. Okay, so I won, but. How badly did we? How bad was it? How bad was it? Eighty-five dollars and fifty cents. Good golly, Miss Molly! No, no. And this was ten percent off, so this was originally ninety-five dollars. No, are you kidding me? Not with my money. No. Too rich for my blood. That's crazy. But you know what the good news is. Now, this was produced by 20th Century Fox, so you know what I'm hoping one day we get. That's right. Disney Plus reboot. Damn it, Greg, get out of my head. People would go nuts for or at least on Hulu. You'd have to talk to the estate of Glenn A. Larson first. But hey, they rebooted Battlestar Galactica, so I suppose anything is possible. And speaking of possible... We make the impossible possible over at ItWasAThingOnTV.com where you can listen to the other 298 episodes that we've made thus far. We also have live watches, minisodes, uh, our present series, links to all of our socials at ItWasAThingOnTV, except for Facebook, which turned into ItWasAThingOnTV podcast. The uh, special effects for that were expensive. And, of course, we can also be on YouTube, where you can like, subscribe, don't forget to hit the notification bell, where you can stay up to date with all of our future entries. And you're going to want to stay up to date for the next one. It is a show. An event. 299 shows and almost three years in the making. We referred to it earlier. Yes, we did. We're not talking about when a man turns into an animal. We're revisiting when a man turns into an automobile. Yep. Boy, did I just spoil that episode? No, not really. Okay. And also, Greg has an announcement. Humongous news. Yes. Big announcement. You guys don't know what it is. Nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows what this is, but he promises that this will be a game changer. This will shake the foundation of this show at its core. It will change the face of the podcast as we know it. This is going, this promise Thursday promises to be a great day for America, a great day for television, and a great day for podcasting. And we want you there with us. Right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Thank you for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the 300th one!
Row! Manimal!